Station, please. The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Electricity here in Columbia, what has been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Newton Price Stadium is second to none. And the rain breaks down in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! You believe the Cops have won this game. Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Oh, watch him celebrate now. Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losers. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. Right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard Inside the Gamecocks, the show <clears throat> live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barn Dominium Co. The Barn Dominium Co.com, or commonly known as the Barndo Co. In South Carolina, in Georgia, and in Tennessee, you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot. The Barn Dominium Co. It is a super Monday in South Carolina. The Gamecocks sweep through their home regional this weekend, taking down Central Connecticut State. They took apart NC State, and then yesterday they embarrassed Campbell in what was a championship final in front of 8,200 folks at Founders Park in South Carolina, waiting to find out what happens in the next four hours or so as the Gators and the Red Raiders will play down in uh, Gainesville for whoever wins that will determine where next weekend Super Regional are gonna, will be. Well, I think most of you know if the Gators as the two seed win, they'll host South Carolina, and if Texas Tech pulls it off, they're going to have to come to Columbia, and the Gamecocks will make their 14th Super Regional appearance in front of their home crowd, and that's certainly what they're hoping for. So, as we get JC and Phil in here. We do have John Whittle coming up in 15 minutes. He'll help us recap what happened at Founders over the weekend. Uh, but, uh, but guys, these, this, this group here has earned the praise that they are receiving. And hats off to Mark Kingston and his staff for what they have done over the last six weeks to keep this thing intact and moving forward uh, with all the injuries and all the stuff that's been going on. Uh, they never wavered on who they thought they were, and he was right the whole time, uh, even when some didn't want to believe what they had to say. And uh, here they are waiting to find out where they're going to play. But nonetheless, they will be one of the final 16 teams in the country, either starting this coming Friday or on Saturday in the Super Regionals, guys. But 41 runs in three games, that'll that'll get it done. I'm like uh, making a statement there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you touched on it too, JB. I mean, I think you got to give all the credit in the world to Kingston for holding this team together because it could have just, everything could have just fallen off the rails, but it yep. just, 
you know, let's let's get everybody back right and and you know put that team that went thirty four and six out there, you know, right when you needed it to be there. Yeah, no question. Marquise did, uh had more unshakable faith in this team than Will Muschamp had in Parker White to hit a seventy yard field goal. <laughs> that's and that's saying a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's saying a bunch. Will yeah. loved Parker White, man. Come on, you know, it's ninety yards. You'll hit it. Come on. Yeah, that gummy. He had the leg. One of one of those. I watched that. Rewatched that Georgia game the other day where he tried the fifty-seven yarder in it. It had the distance. It was just way off. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, I, and I think when you talk about good coaching, it's not necessarily how you're coaching when things are going well and the fans are slapping you on the back and everybody's happy. It's mm-hmm. what happens when you hit adversity. And um, I think that with this team this year specifically, I'm not, I'm not going to – the body of work and all that, we'll figure out after the season's over. But this year specifically, uh, he pushed the right buttons in terms of saying, okay, we're going to go through some tough times because yep. we're number one, we're playing really good teams. Okay. That's, that was something that got lost uh, on a lot of people this weekend, especially people that pick Campbell uh, to win the regional and, and Campbell's good. Th- those boys can hit the ball. I was talking to Whittle earlier today. Yeah, uh, He's well. going to join us, like I said, soon. And he's like, they're all old. They're older guys. And he was like, there's one guy who's like 26 years old that plays for them. Um, and so they can hit. Um, but they haven't played any, anybody like South Carolina. You know, I think it's argue, uh, arguable if NC State outside of maybe Wake Forest has played anybody like South Carolina. It's just that – that's just how deep this league is. Uh, and then when you're missing your entire infield and a lot of your key hitters and your top two pitchers – Ah, uh, you know, that's, that's, you're not supposed to win a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, is, is once you kind of hit the skids and get used to losing, even if you get everybody back, the tendency is to press and play tight. These guys this weekend did not, I mean, it was, it was really good how Kingston handled this. Um, just from what I know, you know, they went out and played loose. They were calling hit and runs left and right. Cole Messina stole a base. I mean, I was like, ah, oh, that's and, and the guys looked like they were having a blast. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll admit that I was Nat and I were worried we, you know, Carolina ran out of runs on on Friday with the nineteen, uh, and then they got to six and we're just kind of stuck there. And uh, but boy, that nine run or what it was a seven run inning in uh, the third. You know, I'm sitting there. It's the third inning and it's like ten or ten to five. It was kind of a one of those games where you, you sort of normally you get up like that and you're just coasting, but uh, not with the way those uh, the Camels could hit the ball. I mean, the Gamecocks did what they needed to do to tack on those extra runs and, and won pretty comfortably, pretty comfortably. Uh, so hats off to the entire team. Um, the Gamecocks, I, I think, now have reestablished momentum to where going to Florida for a Super Regional, uh, it's realistic to go down there and, and think they can win. Uh, I will say in this game, uh, kind of as a novice, uh, what goes around comes around sometimes. So the fact that Gamecocks swept them earlier this year, I almost think is a negative. And I'm saying that because I honestly would be shocked if Florida lost today because watching Texas Tech, they're not really good at the plate. Uh, Florida's kind of shut them down, but they're feisty, and they won 3-2, to 5-4, and then lost, what, 7-1 to one last night. 
Uh, but I, I just don't know because going in, the book on Texas Tech was they didn't have a lot of pitching depth. And so if you're not scoring runs and now, you know, if you didn't have pitching depth going in, uh, that's tough. But uh, I'll also flip this back around and say, look, there's a reason why, in spite of the success that Florida and Vanderbilt have had through the years, there's a reason why people still consider South Carolina and LSU the two best programs in baseball in the league. Uh, and that's because of the consistency. Uh, Florida and Vanderbilt, as we all saw with Vandy, they, they'll drop a regional or super in a heartbeat and think nothing of it. You know, and, and I think it's South Carolina because of the consistency of the Ray Tanner era. And Ray would always say, this is hard what we're doing. This is not normal what we're doing. Because every year, uh, even the years they went out in the regional, you felt like they got every drop out of that season to the last out. That's hard to do. As we see, we're dealing with kids, and it's this time of year, and a lot of players are draft eligible. They're worried about that. There's a lot of distractions. Um, and so I, I think that, uh, you know, just for this season, it's, 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 not, uh, it's not impossible, even if the Gators do win today, uh, for the Gamecocks to go down and, and pull a surprise. It's, uh, they've only won one Super Regional on the road. JB corrected me on that today. That was at Coastal in 2010, which was a season that – Regular season-wise, didn't probably end at its best. I remember Florida came to Carolina and, and took two or three and won the SEC. Uh, Gamecocks were denied an SEC championship, and they got sent on the road for the Supers, two coastal. But they turned it around, and they won it and ended up winning the whole thing. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I do think that uh, right now, if you look at across the country, South Carolina and Wake Forest had the two uh, best uh, regional performances uh, just in terms of their dominance, uh, 41 to 11 over three games. That's, that's nothing to shake a stick at. By virtue of qualifying for the Super Regionals, the Gamecocks now uh, are tied for the third most Super Regional appearances of all time. Uh, to back up uh, your, your statement just a minute ago, and might I remind folks, who, they have been in four of the last ten Super Regionals play. That's 40% of the time. And that is a darn good clip, being the one of the final 16 teams in the country near half the time. So, you know, for those that are big on numbers, there's a number for you uh, if you want to be a little bit positive about it. But, yeah, they certainly were spectacular this weekend all over the place. And, and you know, one of the things that um, we've kind of discussed around here, but you wouldn't really understand it, and you know, unless you've you know, been on a team and played at a high level. And, and that's, that's fine. Um, but everybody okay there? Yes, that's my bad. My, my okay. phone just, I didn't put it on. Uh, Sorry about that. One of the, one of the for things, this morning? Is that yeah, okay. Um, one of the things that, uh, that really mattered going into this weekend and, and I think coach King tried to continue to explain this, but it didn't really sink in with folks because they had lost a few games was, when you when you roll your lineup back out there, they don't always have to actually produce in order for it to make a difference. And what I mean by that is Will McGillis being back in the leadoff spot, what that actually does for people, you know, putting Braylon back out there at shortstop every day, what that actually what that actually does for the program is it provides comfort. Okay. And you now have guys who feel like they have turned the pressure valve a little bit and it's relieved some of the pressure on them. 
Gavin Casas wasn't feeling it as much this weekend, and he had the best weekend he's had in a long, long time. Um, you know, Ethan Petri and Cole Messina and Talmadge Lecro and these guys just not feeling like there's as much on their shoulders to carry the load when they see Braylon Wimmer back out at short and when they when when you've got Will McGillis back in the leadoff spot and they don't have to have two, three, and four hits a game. It's just their presence there that is able to clear the mind. And that's a big deal. And that's something that, you know, they've been talking about for a while. But again, most people aren't going to understand that, and that's okay. But hopefully now, after seeing it this weekend, you know, it clicks a little bit. And the fact that, you know, this team knew what they were capable of doing and how far they're capable of going. They are an Omaha-caliber team. Whether they get there or not, who knows. Um, but but they are an Omaha-type squad. And this weekend, they certainly, certainly, certainly played uh, with that on their minds of, hey, we're only a couple wins shy of where we really want to end up here. Yeah, I mean, you, you could be Vanderbilt today. Uh, you could be, uh, you know, name your other loser, Clemson. Um, somebody in the chat box asked when Clemson's playing again. And somebody said mid-February. <laughs> what yeah. time is Clemson on? Mid-February. Uh, you know, I, well, I, and I'll tell you I, what. I knew that ahead. was going to happen. I, I, I knew they weren't going to make it out. I mean, and, and honestly, I'd have been a little pissed about my draw if I were them. But, hey, that's the way life goes. Well, and I, and I, I did tweet this earlier. If you follow me on Twitter, you already saw it. But with South Carolina's – with South Carolina's uh, three wins this weekend, all-time combined regional and super-regional wins, I just thought this was a fun fact to put out there, they na- now have 108. Clemson has 107 all-time wins in the postseason total. Carolina's got 140. Clemson has 119. That includes 12 wins in the College World Series for the Tigers and 32 for South Carolina, but here's what really makes those numbers stand out. And you'll often hear this from Clemson fans. We've been in the postseason 11 times more than you have. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's about the equivalent of telling me you've won the lottery 11 times more than I have, but you only won $25, and I won $250 million once. So take that to the bank if you want. And they can shove it where the sun don't shine. 11 more appearances in the postseason for the Tigers. But Carolina's got 21 more wins and two more national championships to add as well. Yeah, Carolina, until Bobby Richardson got to the school, was not competitive in that sport. Clemson was a kind of a military school early on, and it's uh, and, and they really they had emphasized the sport for a lot longer than South Carolina if you sort of look back through the history, but once, you know, Richardson got there and uh, they, I think people started figuring out you could be pretty good at this particular institution in this particular sport. Uh, it's, it's been advantage Carolina. I mean, that's just, uh, that's just how it is. And uh, you know, Clemson's a great job. It's a great baseball job. People care about the sport. I think that's, half the battle when you're trying to field a competitive, uh, nationally competitive baseball program. But, uh, you know, they don't really have much on the Gamecocks as far as uh, postseason success. No, they don't. It's not even close. Uh, you know, accomplishments. It's, not, it's actually not I mean, remotely close. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, that Carolina's played them six times uh, with the season on the line since 2002. 
uh, and could have played them more if Clemson had done their part. I mean, there were a couple of matchups there that never happened because Clemson would get bounced by by UConn or Oklahoma State or Liberty, uh, whoever. You know that because Clemson was in a regional with Carolina, got bounced by Liberty. Clemson uh, had the supers matched up, lost to UConn. Had the supers matched up, lost to Oklahoma State back in Holbrook's uh, last postseason in 2016. So, uh, you know, until they show that they can win a game <laughs> against their rivals in the postseason, uh, you know. All Carolina has bragging rights for oh, forever. I say, that, I say that before the series every year, too. I'm like, Carolina's got nothing to prove in this series until things change. Well, I mean, first of all, they're not going to play in the postseason because Clemson's out of it. But I'm, you know, one of the things that really stood out, stood out with that, with what happened up there this weekend is, well, I guess it isn't Monty Lee because, you know, that they ran him out of town because he apparently can't get, a, get out of his home regional. Of course, they wanted to tie his hand behind his back as well when it came to making coaching hires and stuff like that, but that's for another day. Prior to that, they wanted to run Jack Leggett out of town. They did that. And now they want Jack Leggett back in the dugout, and they still can't get out of a damn regional. I mean, hats off to them because they had a a turnaround season, and and they ended up being, at one point in time, the hottest team in college baseball, but they're not anymore. And they're going to be watching the rest of it on television while the Gamecocks try to make a run and all these other teams out there. So, you know. But I mean, they did finish well, and uh, they 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 got Tennessee and Charlotte, who beat us. I said they were pretty good when we played them. People didn't want to believe that. Well, they just went in there and beat Clemson too. And uh, by the way, there was another team that was pretty good this season. Nobody wanted to listen to back in February. Their name's Penn, yeah, and they're playing for a chance team. at the Super Regionals today as well. So, yeah. Penn, you know, it's amazing. Auburn, all- what a pair of good eyeballs would do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're John Cohen now today you're kind of feeling like a horse yeah yeah i got a little pressure on him yeah auburn not only was like you know got in they were a 13 seed and a higher seed than a lot of teams everybody that complained about campbell and carolina man i mean that they they equally complained about auburn yeah, but uh, they well, went out. They went out early. Anybody so. that complained about South Carolina didn't know what they were looking at. I mean, the Gamecocks all year long had proven they were a top sixteen seed, and they just did it again. You know, I, I don't. You know that 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 was that was ridiculous going into it, anyways. And then you see them this weekend, with the exception of Jerzenbeck and Hall, they're they're really not missing anything. And 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 yet, I mean, Campbell. Coming into the – and by the way, we're a little bit delayed on John Whittle, so we'll carry this conversation a little bit further and, until he's ready to go. Um, Campbell was the quote-unquote expert's darling, and for, for rightfully so. You know, I think somebody said earlier in, in the Nanosports chat box, they don't field it very well, and they don't. I think they were at 965 coming into the weekend. That was certainly something that I – was anxious to get a look at, especially under the pressure of playing in Founders Park if they drew the Gamecocks at any point in time, which, of course, they did last night. And what happened? They booted it. You know, they kicked yeah. it around. Uh, they, they, aren't, uh, they aren't used to playing in an atmosphere like that. And I, so, but, but Campbell was this hot two seed that a lot of the folks in college baseball who cover it day in, day out, coast to coast, inch to inch, corner to corner, thought they were just going to walk right in here and walk right out with a regional championship because, you know, they should have been given a host site and they're just better than the Gamecocks. But they were dead wrong. 
and and it's not close. Say, you know, I, I won't say who, but I texted somebody yesterday morning on staff and said, "You got a chance to make a statement tonight." <laughs> they made a statement in the second inning. You know, that thing was over. And uh, even when they hit the three-run over to bring it to nine to five, there was nothing on that pitching staff that was going to slow down South Carolina's offense. Nothing. And they proved. It. And then, like, if, if you think about it, the first couple of runs the game got scored, uh, a ball didn't leave the infield. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Beating out little dribblers and choppers and such and uh, running and stuff. I mean, and that got them going. And then, you know, once once they figured out they could be successful doing that, then they started teeing off. I mean, the, the Will McGill I, – I, I rarely laugh – when something good happens in sports, right, or, or bad, uh, I'm, I'm more apt to laugh if it's bad, right, when it rains and pours. But I laughed when McGillis hit that home run. I was just like, <laughs> 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 I mean, it's just like you've given up, so, you know, you're seven to two all of a sudden, and then he's just like smack, and it lands in three rows in the bleachers. So, and boy, speaking of McGillis, I think all this – we, we've talked about the leadoff guy all year, you know, and, and what needs to happen and stuff. I think, like for the postseason, they found their answer right now with Will. And I think that's good. I think uh, having a guy like that up top kind of just makes everybody, like you said, JB, more comfortable. I felt like Wimmer had some outstanding plays um, uh, in the field, and, and especially like using his arm. You know, his arm talent was good. So. Uh, anyway, just a, it's a really good weekend, and hopefully they can keep it up and uh, give us more baseball to sort of watch moving forward, right? Nonetheless, we're going to be able to watch them at least twice more next weekend. Uh, someone said earlier Carolina Super starts on the ninth. That is incorrect. Uh, they have not decided yet which side of the bracket will start on Friday and which side of the bracket will start on Saturday. That is from Kent Reichert, the SID of South Carolina. I confirmed that last night. It will depend on a few things that happened today. So we'll find out whether they will begin on Friday or on Saturday, um, probably later on this evening, if not first thing tomorrow. All right, let's hit a timeout. When we return, John Whittle, he covered it all, all weekend upstairs in the press box, and he'll join us to recap South Carolina's 3-0 and regional sweep right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. 
Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, all of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock-owned. Gamecock-operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Jakar Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you in the first hour by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty Team here in the Upstate. Give Cindy and her team a call, 864-414-5271 for all your Upstate residential real estate needs. And we're joined now on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than the best baseball guy in the business with the big spur, John Whittle. John, we hear you on the road there, man. Be safe while you're driving. <laughs> absolutely absolutely i uh, i appreciate y'all having me i'm uh on my way to pittsburgh to go see uh the a's and the pirates play uh jonah Bryant's back up with the big league club and and will pro is on the il but um but uh i i, I believe i'll run into him up in pittsburgh at some point here these these next couple of days too good of an opportunity to pass up even though it's a uh even though it's super regional time uh, t- man, you know, I got the Columbia on Thursday, John, and I felt bad for myself deciding last night after the game to drive back home to Charleston. I didn't get home to about midnight, and here you are waking up and driving to Pittsburgh. So I don't really feel bad anymore, and now I regret feeling bad for, dr- for even thinking that. Uh, I think you are kind of nutty. Because I know you're going to try to make another game tomorrow in a totally different part of the country, and then drive right back here to get ready for uh, the Super Regional and whatever press conference we have, which could be tomorrow, could be Wednesday, I guess. Yeah, well, fortunately, press conference. Uh, so, depending on how things go, may go to a second game in Pittsburgh, may bounce over to Cincinnati and, and see uh, T.J. Hopkins. Yeah. You know, he just got called up on on Sunday. Uh, yeah, no, Saturday. 
Saturday. Got got an RBI walk in his first at bat, and then made his made his first start yesterday. So I've known TJ for quite a while as well, and and uh, you know I'm I'm thrilled for him to be up there. And I know he's had a ton of people already be able to get up there and see him. So um, you know it's it's uh, about a four hour drive from Pittsburgh to Cincinnati, and I figure heck if I'm already in the in the Steel City, might as well go ahead and. Make a make a drive a few hours to the west and go to what, what's Cincinnati? The I can't remember. Uh, I don't know. Ask Derek Scott. Okay, it's the yeah. Queen. It's the, it's like Charlotte's. They call it the Queen City. Uh, no, for uh, some reason, uh, I don't know. Queen City West, Queen whatever. City. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Cincinnati is known as the Queen City, Queen so City. that's okay. um, that's why you had a. Uh, I think their ABA basketball team was the Cincinnati Royals yeah. at some point. So yep, I uh, think you're right. As a matter of fact, I, I texted John on Saturday when TJ got the call, or John. I texted Derek Scott on Saturday when TJ got the call. I said, well, you're going to win the World Series. And he responded and said, yeah, someday. We, we'll probably win it again someday. Poor Reds. But uh, they got a bunch of young talent up there. There's no doubt. Now TJ Hopkins is a part of it. But John, is a he's a former Gamecock. This current group of Gamecocks, Really clicked it together this weekend, and they're headed to the Super Regionals, an impressive three-game sweep of their opponents. Yeah, and, you know, Mark Kingston's talked for a month about, you know, getting guys healthy, get, getting them ready for the postseason, being ready to pull in. And, you know, it's been ugly at times for the last month or so. And, and uh, but they, I mean, credit to him and, and credit to the guys. They never really wavered in their, their confidence. I, I know there's plenty of hot takes out there about how, you know, the team wasn't wasn't uh, playing right, and, you know, they had what, whatever, they they lost their, mo- their mojo a little bit, I think that's probably fair, but uh, to say they weren't good, or say saying they weren't playing with effort, or, or weren't as engaged, that, that was never the case, these guys have always sort of believed in themselves, and, and have, have stayed locked in the entire time, and you know, I didn't know that everything would come back together so well this week so consistently over the three games of the regional but but man they played they played great baseball from from, from top to bottom all all three games offensively and and on the mound and no special teams in there if you want to uh, but they they were great from from beginning to end for all 27 innings only trailed for one inning out of those 27 so it was a it was a, a dudes, and it, it, it reminded me of, of earlier in the Florida series, LSU, or whatever else. Yeah, it did me too. Um, I, I, I thought, John, that, um, you know, from the from the opening pitch of the tournament, this this group, the guys that had consistently been in the lineup, the you know, or at least as of late, um, and they've all been out of the lineup at some point in time, but Petri, Messina, Lecroy, Casas, I mean, it seemed to me like they felt like someone had relieved the pressure valve with with Wimmer being back out at short, um, with McGillis being back there in the leadoff spot. Not necessarily that you were going to get, you know, 10 Cal Ripken Jr. type plays at short or Will McGillis was going to provide 10 hits and five home runs on the weekend. It wasn't really about that. It was about the comfort of those guys 
being out there and feeling whole again as a group. And mentally, that just seems to take a lot of pressure off and kind of ease things. Did, did you get that feel from talking to these guys throughout the weekend and their responses uh, to all? Did we lose John? We may very well have. He's, uh, I know where he's at. He's uh, going up 77, uh, probably now on the other side of Charlotte. That's a black hole. Oh. Well, then that's you kind of start winding up through the past hickory, up through the mountains and stuff. So, um, yeah, Chris Payne from Nana Sports knows that uh, that ride really well because that's how you get to Blacksburg in Southwest Virginia. But uh, that doesn't surprise me. There we go. He's we back. got him back. Hey, John. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, I I heard you talking about the lineup, and um, then, then I then I went out on you a little bit. I, I apologize. So, uh, and you talked about the pressure release valve and you know i i feel i feel kind of the same way i thought mcgillis was uh, in there being uh being back in there was really helpful i remember talking with with uh eli jones and we were just kind of having a casual conversation about uh about when um you know mcgillis first came back he was a pinch runner against north florida and you could hear the dugout just going nuts and i i, I talked to him about it and asked him about it and he said you know that guy just he we he's just such a leader for us like it was just so great to see him back on the field in in any capacity and and for those guys to feel that way about him just to get out there and pinch run like imagine what they felt when they saw him you know penciled in you know in the leadoff spot you know on on friday night like i think that did a ton for ton for them you know he got things off to a, a flying start you know on the weekend uh, and they were able to to, to, to rock and roll from, from top to bottom in the order. All right. Let's let's talk about the what made up the regional here. Let's start with Campbell, John. What were your impressions of the Camels after what we've heard all season and then getting to see them play up close and personal this weekend? What type of opponent did Carolina take out yesterday? Um, to, to be honest with you, they were – they weren't quite as good as I thought they would be uh, on the mound, at least. You know, offensively, you know, once once they kind of snapped out of that that first game funk, uh, and, and they kind of had their pressure release valve, uh, you know, open. I, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, I thought they were really, really good uh, offensively. You know, those guys are old, they're big, they're strong, they're experienced, and there's. There's a lot to be said for that in, in, in college baseball, and uh, you know, I, I I thought that they were really tough outs uh, for for the most part, top to bottom, one through nine. Uh, I I mean, I, I was impressed with them offensively. I thought they would be a little bit better on the mound, but but they were they were certainly a really good two seed in, in my eyes, and you know, they they didn't play their best uh, from top to bottom. They certainly certainly didn't play great defensively over the course of the tournament, but. But I, I thought they were a really good team. Luckily, I had the uh, the honor of standing next to Blake Cooper the whole time all weekend. And every player that NC State put on the field, he told me all about them. And that's what you get when you stand next to a pitching coach who scouted an entire team. Uh, they can tell you a lot. And it was, uh, it was interesting to learn all of what he had to say because he must be a pretty good coach. He didn't miss on anything. Um 
I, I didn't think that NC State had the arms to get through this, John. I, I thought that uh, they had some good things offensively, and if it all worked out well in their favor, that they could pull it off, but it would probably be quite a stunner. What were your thoughts of those guys? Yeah, they, they were about what I thought they would be. Uh, they played good defense over the course of the weekend, and, and um, you know, they, they were very competitive offensively. And, and I, I, too, thought they were a little bit short on the mound in terms of, like, front-line stuff. They were they were strikes over, over stuff for the most part. Guys will go out there and compete in the zone and let their, let their team work behind them. But, you know, they didn't have big breaking balls. They didn't have electric fastballs. You know, they didn't have those those pitches that, you know, get get a bunch of swings and misses and, you know, intimidates hitters or, or anything along those lines. You have to you have to go out there and, and hit against them and, and beat them. And, you know, that's sometimes been a challenge for South Carolina this season. Um, you know, they rely on walks and hit by pitches and, and, and then doing some damage with some guys on base and, you know, I thought they did a good job of working some quality at bats, especially against their starter, Willinson, um, and, and the first reliever out of the bullpen on uh, on Saturday night. Um, but, you know, they I, to me, I, I thought South Carolina had a, a very favorable three seed in, 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 the, in the regional. To, to be honest, I thought South Carolina had a, a very favorable regional overall. I thought Campbell was a really good team in two seed. Uh, but, you know, you are bringing in a big South opponent. They're, they haven't faced a whole lot of teams like, like South Carolina, especially in a weekend matchup. But uh, I, I thought it was a very favorable draw for the Gamecocks. And, you know, they also got some breaks on Friday, not having to face Nimmin, uh, you know, yeah. Central Connecticut face. Yeah. And, you know, we saw what he did to Campbell for, for six-plus innings. And, yeah. um, you know, I just thought it was, I just thought it was a good regional for the Gamecocks to, to have drawn for him. I agree. That Nimmin kid, he would have been a difference maker for on Friday night. There's no doubt. I mean, he, he can throw it. Um, so what did you think of Campbell's all-male cheerleading squad that acted like they owned Founders Park from the moment they walked in? I admire it. I, I'm like, I, that may not be a popular opinion, but, but man, if, when you have – people who show up full four uses thick and thin like imagine if if there were uh you know it, like that was probably 10 percent, probably less than that five percent of their their fan base that was there you know acting yeah. a fool and being rowdy and so forth but i think that's great like if, if you have five percent of your your folks at founders park you know rockets and acting a fool and i mean it creates a great environment and and founders park was a great environment this weekend yeah. but you know, it's, sometimes it's nice to have uh, some folks being a little rowdy and a little obnoxious. That's certainly what the, the third base hecklers were at Sarge Five Field, and we still talk about those guys uh, to this day. So, you know, I I admire it. You know, whether they uh, whether they were you know causing problems, acting a fool, and being obnoxious and whatnot, like more power to them. Go 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 support your team like that. I, I think we need in general more people who who support in that kind of way than, you know, be angry in that kind of way. We have plenty of people who are, who are angry point. in that kind of way. That's a great point. The positive John Whittle. You love something like that. John, um, I don't want to ask all the questions here because I know that J.C. and Phil would probably like to talk, but outside of the obvious this weekend, you know, McGillis showing back up, 
that type of stuff, off from an offensive standpoint, what is something maybe that is a little bit off the radar that folks aren't paying attention to that caught your eye that you feel like is important moving into the Super Regionals? Maybe it was somebody who got hot or something that just kind of clicked offensively that just hadn't really been discussed a whole lot. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Just getting back the middle field approach and, and using the backside, like those uh, – the, the, the offense really started against Campbell when when uh, it was uh, Ethan Petrie, Cole Messina, Thomas McCoy all had hits up the middle or, or, to, or to the backside to, to produce. And, you know, it's some of these guys have just gotten full happy. And Gavin Costas the other on, on Friday night, I think I think he was, all three of his hits were backside on, on Friday night. At least two of them were. And, you know, that's that's when you know that guys are locked in and, and seeing the ball well when they can use the entire field. And, you know, there are guys on this team, like, even I, – I can't remember if we talked about this a couple of weeks ago or not, but, like, Ethan Petrie, the first month of the season, we were kind of talking about how how uh, that right center field gap that we used to call Eister Alley for Andrew Eister where he kept hitting, hitting all those doubles and home runs. Like, we thought we might have to – rename it for something after Ethan because he was wearing that 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 place out uh, for the first month of the year and then he got pull happy, you know. <laughs> and playing three guys on the left side of the infield against him and you know that's not what he built his reputation on early in the year. Uh, so but I thought from top to bottom they did a good job of using the entire field, especially the middle of the field, uh, to, to hit line drives and then they did damage on mistakes. Braylon Wimmer, home runs. Will McGillis did too. Like they did. I, I thought it was A plus offensively all weekend long, uh, from top to bottom, uh, with Gavin Costas, Ethan Petrie, Braylon Wimmer, uh, Michael Braswell, Calvin Croy was. Honestly, Thomas Lee Clore was probably the MVP. It's really close between yeah. him and Gavin Costas. Costas yeah. got it for, for the all-regional MVP. Um, Thomas Lee Clore probably has a, has a very fair claim to that. He was, especially, you know, he was the MVP of the Clemson series also. So he's, he's done a nice job of showing up in big games. I, I absolutely agree. My, my final one to you, John, is this. I... I was asked this morning on 107.5 The Game. I guess I hadn't really thought about it uh, until they asked me, but I'm going to ask you. Um, from a pitching standpoint, this is this seems very unusual to me right now because they do have five options to start. And you're in June. <clears throat> Generally, when you start in February, you get to June, you feel like you kind of worked all that stuff out. But adding Will Sanders back to the mix, obviously he was really special in his role this weekend. John, I felt like he was able to go in there and kind of be full throttle and not have to worry about trying to get through five-plus innings. Just, hey, go give it the juice and let's see what happens. The slider looked good. And now they're kind of – I just feel like they're going to evaluate again this week depending on what happens today, who they face, either Texas Tech or Florida, knowing that they've already faced the Gators three times. They've got multiple options to be able to put back on the mound in, for starting pitching next weekend. So my question to you is, 
do you think they will once again kind of go through an evaluation period, or do you feel like they will maybe kind of settle into some type of starting rotation since they did go 3-0 and with it this weekend? Yeah, it's, it's a great question and a fair point. You know, I, I, I still think they do a little bit of evaluating on, on what, what they think is best. I mean, Mark Kingston's done that since the second he stepped on the campus. It's, it's, uh, he's very much like the stock market, stock up, stock down. There's, there's a lot of, uh, and I'm not trying to make this sound, sound too bad, but there's a lot of recency bias there with him. Like, if you're, if you're really good the last time out, he thinks you're going to be really good the next time out. So, you know, I don't think that he's going to mess with things too much. I, w- I would be surprised if it's not Hicks and then Mahoney and then and – then, uh, but I do think that there is a, a very good chance. And this is, this is hunch. This isn't intel. This is, this is my hunch more than anything that, uh, that Will Sanders would be the game three starter if – if necessary, if they haven't used him to, to, to stay alive in the regional in, in some capacity, whether it's to try to close out a, a regional win or stay alive in, in, in the regional tournament. Uh, I, I think I, I think they will probably go with him game three. But, again, that's that's my hunch based on, you know, some, some you know, conversations in, in the past and how he's handled things. and, and uh, But that's, that's kind of my thought process right now. Well, I know this. The way that they pitched that game yesterday really was beautifully done. Becker's, Becker's going to take a little bit of heat because his numbers don't look good. It was really one guy. He couldn't get one guy out. Um, and uh, and that guy's the one that hung the numbers on the board. Outside of that, I thought Becker was good. And then they, they go to Proctor, and he kind of frisbees him up there, and he squeezes three innings out of him. I heard Mark in the post-game presser last night say he was trying to get four, and Proctor said, oh, no, 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 I'm cooked. Don't send me back out there. And then uh, Will Sanders, of course, came in, and he just seemed very comfortable walking under that bullpen, guys. I don't know, Phil, I mean, J.C., I know Whittle saw it. I I was watching John watch him. Um, He looked very comfortable. Very cool. Yeah, full command again. It looked like, yeah, he just he had that confidence. You could tell, like a swagger coming out of there. Just he was ready. Yeah, and on Becker, like, look, I, I think we all can agree that. Uh, and I, I, I was talking to John earlier that Becker needs run support. Right, he's not going to be a guy unless he's just in the zone. And I've seen him in the zone before. Um, you know, he, he's going to get up some runs. But uh, like John pointed out to me, like the the two run home run. Or was it the second? Is the second home run that cut it to nine to five? That was an 0-2 pitch and just a bad pitch. It was one bad pitch. Yeah, and I, that dude. Uh, John said he's twenty seven years old. <laughs> you know, grown man <laughs> just took he it looks out. like he it. took it out yeah. of the park church league softball style. You know, I mean, well, they looked like the so, church league softball team with those all black they did, uniforms. They, they did. I mean, so, but uh, I, I think uh, I like that. You know, Will a resurgent Will Sanders for a game three starter. I, I kind of like that plan. Mm-hmm. Well, there you yeah, go, John. And, and Will made no bones about it earlier in this season. I'm sure y'all remember that post Florida game press conference where he talked about, "I just don't like Florida," and and obviously it could be Florida, it could be Texas Tech, uh, but he said, I, "I don't like Florida. They didn't recruit me, uh, and I've held that against them." And you know, I there, to me, there's something to that you know sometimes that can sometimes your emotions can can make you better and 
you know, based on the way that he's pitched against him throughout his career, it makes him better. Very good out of the bullpen his freshman year. Picked up two wins against Clemson, both out of the bullpen. Uh, served in that role a lot that year. He looked great last night. You know, maybe use him to, to close down a, a game on, you know, game one or game two. Uh, but, you know, if, if you if you have him to turn to and and, uh, and a game to, to go to Omaha, I mean, you, that's... Uh, you 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 can't you can't argue that like that's that's no. uh, about they're trying to get you into the series. Yeah, exactly, hundred percent. You know, it's it's hey, look, this is the all or nothing bag. You roll it out there, you either win or you lose. You know, and either way, at the end of the day, there's no regrets. I mean, you you don't go back and question anything. If you got a if you got a Will Sanders in the final game to, to get you into the World Series. I mean, that's the way you would draw it up before the season started. That is for dang sure. And so you, you're going to live and die with him. I mean, that's just that's just the way that it is. John, we'll let you run on that note. We'll um, we'll be in touch in the next couple of days uh, to, uh, first of all, to check in on your travels, uh, but certainly uh, to maybe we can get you back on to help prep us for the Super Regionals a little bit later on in the week. But – Appreciate your time, man. Be safe going up there and enjoy watching some big league baseball. Absolutely. And I, I apologize for probably breaking up here and there and, and dropping y'all for a minute. But uh, it's, it's been great talking baseball with all, y'all all year long. And, you know, we got, we got a little bit more time to do it. Yeah, we got we got three more weeks. Three more That's weeks, right. John. Three more, three more weeks. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> y'all take care. Have a good day. See you. There you go. John Whittle. Thanks, yeah, some – I mean, you can't make a point better than that, guys. I don't care how Sanders is pitched here and there and everywhere. I mean, the guy's still – he's a he's a potential first-round draft pick. If that's the guy that you've got to send you to or, to Omaha, I mean, you're going to live with him or you're going to die with him. I mean, that's just – that's the name of the beast. You know, the, the keyboard warriors, the guys that don't come out of their mom's basement, like they'll tell you that they would have done it differently – They've never held baseball in their lives, but they would have done it differently. But, you know, if it didn't work out or something like that. But, yeah, John makes a wonderful point there. And it's it's an interesting hunch. You know, with Becker, I tell you, I'm a Matthew Becker fan. I like him. I, I like I like how he handles himself. Um, I really like when he walks out onto the mound, uh, you know, there he, he's got a, a feel about him of a lack of emotion which I like that. It doesn't mean he's not feeling it. It just means he's not giving a whole lot away with what you're seeing out there. And um, and I really, really like this kid. And he threw two pitches. The guy behind the plate yesterday was awful. Oh, and I know, who, I know who he is. And I'll tell all of you right now, he's a SoCon guy. And he was one of the worst SoCon umpires in the league. And I have no idea how on planet Earth not only did he get a regional – but he was behind the plate for a regional. And I know that there was some concern on the coaching staff when they saw him walk out there. So, like, I don't know what we need to fix there, but you go from squeezing dudes. Like, Becker's. if Becker gets an inch or two on the corners, he's going to have a great day. And that's generally the way it is with most lefties. If, if he doesn't, 
and you got to throw it right down Broadway, those type things are going to happen against a team like Campbell. So that guy was terrible. I mean, he got worse as the game went on in the whole nine yards. So I don't put a, I don't put a lot on Becker. There were two pitches that left the yard. Outside of that, I thought he had a really good uh, stretch. And uh, they're going to need Matthew Becker to get to Omaha, no, no sure. matter who they play this weekend. And, and he's going to be up for the challenge. He's really their only lefty. So yeah, you got to. Yeah, yeah. And he's been solid. Check this I mean, when called in this dude, you know, he's he's been thrust into duty here this season and has handled it as well as you could expect anybody to. Sure. Yeah. I like I think he's got great stuff. Uh I check his too. bracket. Okay, let's say let's say right, Florida whoever wins today. But there is a good chance if you're looking way down the road, like what the what the draw is I, gonna be. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Uh, <laughs> I know exactly DC, where you're going with this. DCU is it's not done yet, but they beat the tar out of Arkansas the other day and the hogs are one game from being bounced. Oregon and Oral Roberts is your other matchup. Virginia and either Duke or Coastal, uh, and then Carolina, Florida. So Carolina could be looking at opening with Duke, Coastal, or Virginia in Omaha. Then the other side of the bracket, really TCU and Oregon and Indiana State. I mean, that call me well, crazy, and, and that's kind of how this game can change so quick. You you go into that maybe being one of the favorites, I would think. Well, certainly, but uh, you know, number one. Look, I know you're not bounced that far ahead. You're just playing hypotheticals here. I don't like to oh, yeah. get that far ahead because I got to win two more games. <laughs> Number two, anybody that makes it to Omaha is dangerous. So I don't oh, yeah, ever look. Right, I've yeah. never, ever, ever <laughs> looked at the bracket and thought, "Oh, well, they got the good draw here." Because it never works out the way you think it's going to. Ever. It doesn't. I, I just say on that side, Carolina's side of the bracket, there have been a lot of surprising results so far. Sure. I mean, I, yeah. To me, I, I didn't think the Clemson result was that that surprising. I didn't think Clemson would lose to Charlotte and go out. Uh, I thought they'd probably play Tennessee and win one, and then the Vols would eventually uh, advance. But, man, that uh, that daggum Nashville regional that Mike Morgan had. Well, that was the shocker. Golly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, That's and there's Auburn, five out Auburn. now. you got five national seeds right now that are out. Yeah. And you could lose – one, two, three, uh, four, five, six, seven more today. Yeah. yeah you got no, Alabama. Six more today. Six more. Man, we, we also may have a super regional with Texas and Texas A&M. Yeah. yeah which that's a very, <laughs> that would be a very interesting scenario because that goes back to the bid process. Has to be yeah, hosting. yeah, and, oh man! So they'll be at each other. I mean, in the college. wait a A&M second. Beat they could pay five hundred million dollars to sign offensive linemen at A and M, and now you got A and M in Texas going for a bid for the to go to Omaha. Some oil tycoon is going to sell us company <laughs> to fund this thing. Yeah, the NCAA yeah, like, is about to be rolling in oil money. NCAA is yeah. like, I know Walker's extra. I know Walker's extra. Wait know? a second. The NCAA is going to be named like Chevron NCAA tournament. You know, next year. I mean, Kentucky better watch out for Indiana. Auburn's already out, so Tennessee's going to host. Like, so Tennessee will host Penn or Southern Miss. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that side of the bracket's a little iffy too, man. We've had a lot of surprising results so far, so oh, yeah, that's no, uh, no. that's interesting. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't know a lot about like how deep is Duke's pitching staff. In other words, against Coastal today, or you know, a, a lot of this other stuff, but. Uh, 
you know, or either the Oregon Ducks. I don't and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Oregon's ever made it to Omaha. They've been really good. Maybe they did once, but uh, they've been really good for a while. But I, I know Oregon State obviously has been. But uh, and then Oral Roberts, who seems to be good at every sport they play. Mm-hmm. Praise the and Lord. By the way, Caleb Denny transferred in from Oral Roberts, and here they yeah, are. Yeah, he did. So they yeah, and uh, Oregon looks like they're about to have a home series too, because I would imagine they can probably outbid Oral Roberts for that. Seeing as how, yeah, it'll be in Eugene, and so, and then if Arkansas goes down, it'll be TCU going well, to Indiana State. Yeah, that's in Eugene because uh, Oregon's the two seed, um, yeah. and Oral Roberts was the four seed. I don't think we've had a four seed. Well, we haven't had a four seed in Omaha since Stony Brook. I know that. I'm trying to think of if there's been a four seed that's even advanced to a super since Stony Brook. And I, I can't remember one, but I might be missing something here. There, We've had a four seed win the College World Series. Fresno State did it yeah. back in 2008. That was a stunner. Um, and look, that was that was not an easy regional at Stillwater. Oklahoma State, Dallas Baptist, Washington, and then Oral yeah. Roberts. Right. So – they used to be called the Titans. Now they're the Golden Eagles. So, yeah. Oral Roberts Golden Eagles. They, they've, they've, they've beaten people's butts in, uh, in men's basketball, too, through the years. So, my grandmother it's a talented to athletic department. There's no, no doubt about Oral that. Oral Roberts was a televangelist. I, my grandmother, when I was a kid, took me to see Oral. So, she had a uh, statue. There's a prayer tower on that campus. It's like this big spaceship-looking thing. She had a statue of the prayer tower. My Very cool. So anyway, I've always right. kind of. Yeah, I mean, you know, and hey, you know, sorry we threw shade at Indiana State. I'm not sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't think they should. I don't care what the result was. Their, the results their, are they? Yeah, I agree. Their, their resume it. wasn't good enough to host. <laughs> if they'd had Tennessee instead of North Carolina, they'd be done. Yeah, yeah, I mean, give me, a, give me a break. I mean, I, hats off to them for winning it, but I, I am not apologizing for standing firm on the fact that I did not think they deserved a super region, a uh, regional host. They're putting the toughest draw up there either. So, <laughs> no, no. Yeah, and they're going bye bye if they get if Arkansas comes back and wins the series. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If TCU beats Arkansas today, TCU's got to go to Terry Terry Hout. Hout. Terry Hout. Yeah. Hooter. Uh, home of, home, of, uh, home of the second scariest prison in the United States outside <laughs> of the one in Colorado. Just an FYI to everybody. Yeah. It's bad. It's, it's up there. How would you like it? That's what, they, they bust all those cats down to welcome your bus to the ballpark. You know, welcome to Terry Hout, pal. Oh. oh, my God. Okay, I think we'll uh, – We'll lose. We'll lose for you. No big deal. It's very spooky. But yeah, Terry Ter- Hoot's uh, only about three hours from where I live. So I, I was sort of hoping if they sent the game rocks on the road, they sent them there. But, uh, well, maybe you could drop uh, them in prison. Visit the prison. It just looks like you look at that campus and stuff, and you're just like, I bet there's a ton of mosquitoes. Well, I mean, there's murderers <laughs> up there, so why not? Eminent Either way, they both like blood. Murders, mosquitoes, and Larry Bird. And by the way, everybody, yeah. I know Larry Bird no, from he... French Lick, Indiana. I know I said home of Larry Bird because he, he played in Indiana State. Yes. yes that Who doesn't right. know that Larry Bird's from French Lick, Indiana? Not I. I know I screw some things up sometimes, but just want to make that clear. I knew the that. hick from French Lick? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'll wait. Let's, let's hit a timeout. Hour two inside the Gamecocks coming up. Ah! 
program, you know, like Carolina Rise. I mean, I, I can't stress enough how how important it is to get involved with these with, with these programs because that goes straight to our student athletes. It goes straight to recruiting. It it helps tremendously on multiple levels. And I know that it, it's one of those things you sometimes don't necessarily get to see it or feel it right away, but you will feel it in a negative way if you're not involved on the front end. Carolina Rise has been a huge impact in our program. Um, if you don't have good players, you don't compete, bottom line. And these days, as you mentioned, the 11.7 scholarships uh, is not near enough for what baseball players deserve. We have 35 players, um, yep. only 27 of which can get scholarships. And we have 11.7 scholarships to divide up among those 27 guys. So you're you're talking about the average player on our team is paying half a scholarship or half half his way to come here. Um, it's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. And you know the NIL uh, market has allowed us to help kids afford to come here. It's helped kids to want to stay here. Now, there are guys on our team that would not be here probably without the NIL. And Carolina Rise has been a huge part of that. Um, you look at, we had three draft picks last year that decided to come back to South Carolina. I don't know that that happens without the NIL. We appreciate Carolina Rise very much and everybody that's helping to facilitate that and, and help our players uh, is a big part of what we're doing now and what we'll do moving forward. karaoke partner i can tell you i can't carry a tune in a bucket but what i do have is a very specific set of skills hang up now and your it nightmares will continue but stay on the line and i will find you and when i find you i will fix it um thanks uh i think i have the wrong number i'm trying to call matt at heritage digital he has a one price, low cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs. And I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So yeah, 843-699-1001. This is 1002. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. 
Hey, Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! You heard Evan Stone, Gamecock fans, 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com Don't you know, no, no From the littlest chick to the big old cock You can get big old quest Danny Hill Spurs, Spurs, Spurs Welcome back, everybody. The second hour of Inside the Gamecocks, the show here with you. We got JC for a little bit. He's got to uh, proctologist out of here pretty soon for proctology. <laughs> Bend over and I'll show you. That's right, but it's Chicago, so they're doing it virtually. So he's going to be all you know, ham oh. in front of the monitor. Yeah, the, the virtual colonoscopy is that's not today. I have to go in person. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, it's just oh, kind of wow. kind of a routine checkup. I got I got the telehealth thing in the morning before Holy we go smoke. on too. So, <laughs> I, uh, by know, the way, Florida anyway. and Texas Tech are underway. For those who want to have that on in the background of our show, and Florida second baseman just made probably the play of the day. Check on it tonight on uh, Sports Center Top Ten. I don't know if they still show baseball or if it's just all NBA and NFL year round anymore on Sports Center. But if they do show baseball. This play will be in the top ten. It was an outstanding play. Uh, JC, re- let me read this just real quick, just real quick here. Here is today's schedule. Guys, this is a great day for baseball. Uh, LSU and Oregon State, uh, they'll throw the first pitch at 2 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, immediately following this Tech-Florida game, uh, you've got Arkansas and TCU on ESPNU at 3 p.m. If it goes long, you can, of course, find that on ESPN+. Plus. You also have the Quakers of Pennsylvania versus Southern Miss at 3 o'clock on ESPN Plus uh, as uh, Texas Tech's now got a runner on first with an HBP. And that one hurts. Oregon State and LSU, a couple of national champions, will play tonight at 6 on ESPN Plus. Coastal and Duke uh, will play at 6 tonight on ESPN Plus. And then you got Indiana and Kentucky at 6 o'clock as well. And uh, TCU and Arkansas, and if necessary, game as well as A&M uh, uh, going later on tonight at uh, at 9 o'clock. So you could literally be watching for 12 straight hours from now on if you love the game like I do. And um, God bless your, I, your, all your wives and children, and tell them you'll see them in July. I have a feeling there's a watch party on John's Island coming up on that uh, the viewing area. Those of you that don't know, JB's got an outstanding viewing area. Uh, it's weatherproof too, unless the wind's blowing. I mean, I don't think you get much <laughs> rain back there. So, uh, very. I enjoyed my afternoon at JB's quite a bit, uh, watching the Gamecocks. Will Tibbet hit a three-run homer to beat Auburn, but uh, that's uh, that's the life. That's the life down there. I'm trying to remake it in our backyard. We uh, we're close on our patio now. So, All right. Uh, All right. Oh yeah, getting there. Got to. I got to give Nat most of the credit for it because she actually. 
put the tiles down and made them even and, and put the cement on there and stuff to, to stick it together. But it, it looks great. It's great right now. We got a, uh, a sail cover. Got these big old poles. We're putting them in a concrete bucket and sticking them in and put a sail on top. Yeah. So it's, it's like a canopy almost thing. The next it's thing awesome. you know, I'm going to have to get the grill down off this freaking deck we have. And I don't know how I'm going to do that. I may just buy a new grill. <laughs> That's true. have, have gr- grilling station north, grilling station south. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's like my lawnmower. When I run out of gas, I just go buy a new one. You know, I just don't feel like <laughs> right. <feeling> dang, you <laughs> know. I mean, they're so the cheap now. Like 150 like bucks for a lawnmower, you know. We'll just get a new one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mentioned Last Tippett. Time. How about Will Tippett? I thought he had an excellent series this weekend. I mean, kind of unsung, yeah. below the radar, but the sack yeah, no punt, doubt. I think, was, you know, really good. And then sack fly. And, I mean, you know, when I saw him in the lineup and over, you know, Evan Stone, I think, to start, I'm like, okay, we're going with offense, you know, defense be damned. But I feel like he held his own out there in center. He did a great job. I, I thought Tippett, he had one little bugaboo, I think. Mm-hmm. He may have misplayed one in one of the games. Uh, it was, I think it was yesterday because I had Tommy and Derek on for yesterday's game. I switched it up. Somebody asked me about Roddy Jones, who did color for the game this past weekend for ESPN. I, I've always liked Roddy Jones. I remember when he's he's a football recruit, played at Georgia Tech. I, I don't know where he, if he played baseball at Tech or not. It, it, it escapes me, but I always thought Roddy did fine. I mean, they were still like not counting Campbell out at the end. Because I switched it back, Derek and Tommy were sitting there talking about, oh, they, they, they kind of resigned to the fact Carolina was going to win. Um, so I switched it back in the ninth because I wanted to watch. And uh, Roddy's still talking about how Campbell's capable of coming back. I guess after that 10 spot they put up against Central Connecticut, that was the thought. But um, before I get out of here, I'd like to talk about football recruiting a little bit. Sure. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, good weekend for the Gamecocks. Um Kind of funny that uh, we played the Carolina Rise ad because uh, uh, I tell you, you know, Beamer said the other day, he's like, I rarely hear about NIL with high school recruits. He's like, but the portal guys I do. Well, as we all know, folks, uh, that's temporary. And um, <laughs> there were there were some feedback this weekend from some guys, guys that you wouldn't even think. Yeah, because there were some highly rated dudes on campus this weekend. Maybe some of your lawyers. I'm not going to tell you who, but uh, NIL is going to be a big part of the decision-making process for a lot of guys. I don't think it's the determining factor just yet. Um, But everybody had a good time. I mean, you know, Parker Livingston, the receiver out of Texas, is a guy Justin Stepps really liked for the whole time. Dante Reno's recruiting him. He had an excellent visit. Uh, The Gamecocks, Jalua Solomon, who they're battling Florida State for. I don't think it's over by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, the family atmosphere got him. He said um, "He said it's close, it's tight. Um, his relationship with Torian Gray he was talking about. Uh, he had a great player host, Nick Emanuore, uh, and Florida State's visit's coming up, but uh, – I, I think the Gamecocks are as good is in good or is in good of shape as they could possibly expect at this point. Whenever you hear a young man start talking about the family thing and how oh they took care of my family, that's that's a deep feeling for a kid. And 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 like I said, it all comes down to comfort level. And so 
that that makes you feel real comfortable when you know these guys got your back, when you know they're going to take care of you, when they when you know you're going to play in an environment that's positive not only for you but your family uh, and all that. So um, somebody said earlier in the chat box they were surprised there were no welcome homes. I, I, I'll say this: there's no, it's rare that you get those during the weekend anymore. Uh, and I'll tell you why. And Beamer's had a few more than Muschamp because Muschamp spurs up only went out when a kid was about to go public. Welcome home will go out whenever the kid commits to the Gamecocks <laughs> behind the scenes. So there's there's been a few more like that, but really you don't get like it used to be, man, when you had an official visit weekend in January, you'd have 10, 15 guys do exit interviews and five of them would commit, you know, right mm-hmm. off the bat. That doesn't does and the reason is social media, kids brand themselves. You know, kids want to do videos and such. You know, there's there's still a Tank Bigsby commits to South Carolina video out there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that may be worth something someday uh, and all that. So it's it, it, sometimes it's a matter of timing. You, you'll have a guy. He'll be in. But you got to wait a couple of weeks for him to get uh, his production team on it or to him to get his statement, respect my decision statement right or something like that. So I wouldn't be worried or disappointed about that. I get that question uh, because because it's been this way for about seven eight years. I mean, I, I get that. I every visit weekend, so I'm surprised we didn't disappointed we didn't get any welcome homes. Well, don't be, you know, because that that it, it just doesn't happen on the schedule that it used to happen that we we all got accustomed to for years and years and years. You know, frankly, I liked it better when you, you'd have one big visit weekends in Jan- January was exhausting, but man. Uh, you'd have those big Sundays and, and stuff like that, but it's just not like that anymore. Uh, kids, uh, kids, most of the time are done by the end of summer, uh, and there's no like formula to determine like when exactly they pop during the course of the summer. So, uh, good visit weekend. Everybody had a great time that was there. Uh, I feel good about the Gamecocks position with a lot of these guys. You got another big one this weekend, then a week off, and then the Titanic weekend. Uh, Maybe we shouldn't call it the Titanic weekend because that that big ship sunk. So uh, Titanic, the the uh, the adjective. How about that? It is a Titanic weekend uh, for uh, the Gamecocks coming up and recruiting. But just wanted to tell everybody that I know everybody's happy about the baseball series and, and all that. But that's that's the deal there. Well, before I, before you get out of here, real quick, JC, is my my understanding according to sources as well that. Um, from an offensive, specifically in recruiting, from an offensive line standpoint, they are still active in the portal. Um, and on top of that, I've heard really, 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 really good and encouraging things about the transfer from Mercer. Can you expand on any of that briefly before you get out of here? Yeah, Mercer kid. Uh, what's, his, what's his last name? I can't remember, but man, we'll put it this way. Man. I had a, a pretty good source tell me he's this kid is here for a reason. He has got excellent athleticism, and he's an interior guy. But what you can do if you've got depth back, back – because you know, Carolina's got some older players. So, in other words, all right, so Ja'Kai Moore, you know, you can you can actually cross-train him less. Uh, because, again, you know, the Gamecocks are thin up front. They don't have – a lot. I mean, they're probably about six, seven deep right now when you're talking about guys that are healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what this guy could do is give you a lot of options if you have to slide guys out at tackle or whatever. Um, and yeah, they're not they're not done with the portal yet. We'll see. We'll see what Manziel, happens. Manziel, by the way. 
Mercer. Manziel. I knew it was, Manziel, it was Rusty Manziel, yeah, yeah. Manziel's last name. It's my buddy Rusty. For, it's now the Georgia guy on three, but uh, everybody knows Rusty. But, uh, yeah, Manziel uh, is a guy that uh, can, can help, and certainly the kid from Charlotte that's the tackle uh, can help. I mean, I don't care what level you're at. You play left tackle and start. You've got some experience against so some really good players. I mean, Charlotte, yeah, they play in Conference USA or played in Conference USA last year, but, man, they – they played some good teams, including the Gamecocks. So it, it's uh, it's one of those where, yeah, be encouraged. They are not done in the portal. I'll tell you that. They're not done at a lot of spots. Uh, whether or not things materialize, you know, Sean asked about the mystery edge. Still trucking, man. Still right yeah. on trucking with that. Just, gotta, just you're, hang you're in there not, a little longer. Hang in. Right. You're not on. You're not on an athletic timeline with that. You're on an academic timeline with that. So we all know how that is. Just they don't. They there. don't tell you. Oh man, the Gamecock fans on the Big Spur want to know the name of this kid. So let's move finals back two weeks. No, they don't <laughs> yeah. do that. Let's, let's just have our final. You know, let's go ahead. So uh, it's good to see Meredith here in the chat box as well. But yeah, so overall for football. Um, really good weekend. Like I said, I think it, what you want with these weeks, you want them to eventually bear fruit, to use another biblical analogy. If you have done Oral Roberts and talking about bearing fruit and Titanic and all that. So anyway, yeah. spiritual episode today. But I think um, I think you want it to bear fruit, and I think that they're on their way to doing that. Enjoy the proctologist, JC. Phil and I can I uh, handle it from here. Bend over and we'll show you. And, I have prepared uh, my... Uh, you know, never mind. Okay. Prepare thy. That's another Bible verse, isn't it? Prepare. Never mind. Ooh, I don't know. Maybe. Prepare thy. Whatever you feel yeah, like preparing, JC. Your Old Testament ones that have to be. <laughs> but, uh, Cam says, by the way, I think Beamer lands Dylan Stewart. Well, Cam, uh, put it this way you probably aren't the only one. And they were good group of people. So just hang in there, everybody. Hang, hang in there. Um, JC, if you don't mind, for the first time in a month, can you just say bye to me and Phil instead of just vanishing? Because uh, the Irish goodbye. We're, we're, we're tired. We look at each other like, you think, I mean, do you think like he, like, maybe he's upset with us or did we say something that hurt his feelings? Most of the time, we... it's my internet. It just conks out at the end. I mean, it was doing it oh, like. so that. The internet like, just clicked out. That's what it is. Oh. I had like twelve. It we was hear going the click, at twelve fifty eight. Now it's like twelve oh two. Well, we well, hear no, it click, it, and then you well, just you hear well, Friday click, was a straight up just yeah. <laughs> now, Friday was a buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah Friday was some, just a click and go. Uh, it was yeah. it was about oh, yeah. to be beer thirty, so I was like, I, I, <laughs> I, talked to, I talked to both of you on Friday later, though, yeah. so don't feel that bad. But anyway, yeah, goodbye, folks. Thanks for everybody that listens and makes our show what it is. <laughs> All right, Phil, cut him off. That's enough. That's enough. We've had enough. Blah, blah, blah. It's like my acceptance speech. We just just needed a hat tip. And then all all the children of the world. And, and, yeah, Eddie Murphy did, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, God, he was the guy that's blind, Stevie Wonder. And he said, Stevie got an acceptance speech. He's like, and then all the children of the world. And I just want to thank everybody. And then they had to cut Stevie, Stevie, I had to cut him off. So, anyway, that's me. I think your proctologist is, he's, he's, Waiting, he's looking <laughs> intently. Oh, there he goes. There, there it is. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, internet must have cut out right on time. Yeah, that's right. You. Just right on schedule. <laughs> uh, it is nothing, nothing at the top of the second inning in Gainesville. Uh, the Red Raiders 
have just flown out for a second consecutive time after a leadoff double uh, and uh, trying to get that run home if they can. We'll hit a timeout, let y'all watch that while we're away when we return. More on baseball, and J.C. did hit on a couple of things. Um, uh, when I go to Columbia, you know, I don't just spend time around the baseball field. There's always other people to see. Uh, so a couple of little nuggets to pass along to you as well. Everybody hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, this show built by the Barndo Co. and painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. LemmePaintSomething.com. If you're in South Carolina, they're the best painters in the world. That's where you want to go. LemmePaintSomething.com. We'll be right back. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182 Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball, and inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by travelingcountryclub.com. So if you all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options and go Cox. Welcome to travelingcountryclub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to travelingcountryclub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271. Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Joe, will you? 
And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nana'sPorch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. Endless summer. Go Tigers. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find a West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go game packs. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Colmerson from the Yardcocks. Electric Bikes of Charleston powers inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be sure to check them out online or in Mount Pleasant. Go Gamecocks. Welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks, the show. Sitting here, Texas Tech in Florida, knotted up at zero, bottom of the second mm-hmm. inning. And uh, I don't know, Tech gave their uh, gave Florida's left fielder a uh, a nice uh, workout sprint workout there. <laughs> yeah, at the top of the second. But uh, yeah, they they this is. I mean, if mm-hmm. I had to if if I had to pick, I, I would say that. Florida will win the game, yeah. um, but um, but you just don't ever know. But Florida is really really good. If you, I was asked the question this morning on when I was on one hundred seven five. Is there a preference for who wins from a matchup standpoint? I said, yeah. You want Texas Tech to win? <laughs> That's a no brainer. You want to stay home? Uh, but interesting numbers from a regional standpoint, Phil. Mm-hmm. Baseball is unlike any other. We say this all the time, and if you actually go look at the numbers, it backs it up. It says 24, just as 2014, I can go back further than that, but just 61% of regional hosts have won their regional. 61%, six out of 10. That's not home field advantage. I mean, it's, it's almost 50, 50. Mm-hmm. And when you get to the supers, while you do want to play at home, just last year, six road teams won Super Regionals. Only two hosts last year actually won their Super. So, I mean, it's – yeah, I mean, from a matchup standpoint, yeah, you can really dive into numbers and things like that, but you always want to play at home. You always want to play. I mean, there ain't going to be a soul in that locker room that says, you know what, I like the matchup better with Florida. Let's go to Gainesville. 
Yeah, I think we should go to Gainesville. Yeah, I never <laughs> let's play it. Let's play a series down there where we, you know, swept them up here earlier. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. You we're not going to do any that. of that, right? No. But no. I, you know, I wonder if that has anything to do with that silly NCAA rule. At least I think it's stupid that you know the home team doesn't get to, or the host team doesn't always get to be the home team. Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty ridiculous. They probably spent more time writing out the five scenarios for how to make this thing even than they did for just using common sense. Right. Um, right. I mean, I I put it akin to when the you know MLB was using the All Star Game as to who hosts the World Series. I mean, yeah. it's about that arbitrary and stupid. I mean, what's the? What, I mean, what advantage do you have? I mean, you get your home crowd, yeah, but I mean, if you're not getting the last at bat. <laughs> I mean, that's part of the that's part of the whole thing. <laughs> well, that, that's I've I've just I don't pertaining to yesterday, like, and I've said this every year. This isn't something new, you know. Been around regionals for twenty five years. I know what they look like, but you you have two and zero South Carolina, and you have two and one Campbell. Right? They lost their opener. They turn around and win on Saturday. They win Sunday to get into the regional final, game one of the regional final. Okay, I don't care who has been home and who has not been home. That's irrelevant to me. I don't care if this team's been the away team twice and the host team's only been the away team once. What I care about is, have you earned it or not? Well, not only were the Gamecocks, and this is this happens all over the country, we're just going to use South Carolina as the example here, not only were they the host seed, which means they were a top 16 program in college baseball awarded with a host, which makes them the number one seed in their own tournament. So not only are they a national seed, not only are they the number one team in their tournament, they're undefeated in the tournament. That's, that's what it comes down to. Like you're undefeated and you're the away team in your own ballpark. It's not my fault that the other team got beat. It's not right. my fault that the other team, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. that doesn't make any sense. None of it does. No, no. It, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, and there's so many things the NCAA needs to address, but this seems like it's it's something that's extremely easy to do if if they want to, you know, do it. I mean, it's very simple. It's you not hard to fix. Like flipping a switch. It. No, this is yeah. an easy one. You know, it's just like, okay, yeah. you know what, 2024, uh, host team, home team, you know, until they're gone. And then go back to your fairness or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, if the host team gets knocked out, then, you know, whoever plays the next game, eh, they, they get they get to be home team if they haven't been home team yet. I mean, it, it just seems so stupid. I, I couldn't I, believe it. I just think that it's very simple. I just think that the lower seed is the away team. Yeah. Or, you know, that's the way that it starts out. And then after that, you, you – you go with the record from there, and if all was created equal, then it then it uh, designates itself to seed. So if it's if you've got one and one South Carolina and one and one NC State, then Carolina would be the home team because they're the higher seed. I mean, mm-hmm. it should go. You should start it based on seed, and then it goes to record, and then if there's a split, it goes to who's the higher seed. And I, I'm not really sure what else you needed to work, worry about it from there. They finally got rid of, and I didn't. I saw Jan this weekend, and I was incorrect. I didn't realize they had gotten rid of this finally. 
um, or maybe I did and I'd forgotten, but I'm pretty sure I just didn't know that they eliminated the old joke of a rule where when you're in your own ballpark and the other team is the home team, that they get to use your dugout. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, right. ridiculous. Yeah. So, eliminated that. Uh, so South Carolina at least got to stay in their home dugout throughout the weekend and the rest of the country as well. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, some of this stuff, it's just, it's just not hard to figure out. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, it was like – and I get Keith's point. It was like, yeah, you want to be the home team on the winner take all game, but I mean, I mean, that's under the current setup. I'd rather have a, a you well, know, they would a have been the home setup team. that re- that rewards the host for being the home team in all four, you know, games. Should there be four games played by the host team? Yeah, I mean, under my scenario, they would have been the home team no matter what. Yeah, you, I mean, you, I, they should have been the home team last night. Mm-hmm. And if they lost the game, then and records are equal, it diverts to who's the higher seed. That's 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 yeah. why you earn a national seed. That's right. Why why I mean, seed the teams in such a fashion? You know, why have one seed, two seed, three and four? I mean, other than just to say this game's first and that game's second, or you you know this matchup, you get to play this team. Uh, it just seems like you know I get you, you get home cooking and you get the home field advantage where there is one, but that isn't always the case. Because think about you know teams that don't get to host on their home turf. Yeah. Yeah. Who happened to bid a, a minor league ballpark or something like that? That's a couple of towns away. You know, what, what advantage is it of theirs to, you know, have to lead off two games yeah, the, out of three? <laughs> like, this isn't, this isn't all things are created equal. Like, no. you earn it. That's the point of playing the season. I mean, I tell you right now, I'm, I'm, my opinion 100% coincides with probably about 15 head college baseball coaches that I know from the D1 level to wherever. I mean, I've, ta- I've asked every single one of them these questions over the years, and they all say the same thing. The higher seed should get it, and then it goes to record. The number one seed gets upset, and the number four seed is 2-0 and in the championship game. Then the four seed should be the home team, and the number one seed should be the visitors team. I don't, it doesn't matter if they've got the higher seed. At that point in time, they got a loss. Who cares that they're on their home turf? The four seed earned that record. So South Carolina earned that undefeated record. They should have been the home team last night. It's it's very common sense stuff. Like this is not politics where everybody has to feel like everybody's going to get a handout. Like this is sports. If you're going to seed the teams, then allow that seed to mean something. They have to figure it out in their own tournament from there. But like don't play this ridiculous game of who's home and away and this, that, and the other. Like, there's no point in that. It's it's Looney Tune. No, no. It's and it helped Campbell zero last night. By the way, they yeah, got right, beat yeah. by nine <laughs> runs. <laughs> it okay. didn't help them at all. Yeah. <laughs> Other than to finish the first inning in the lead. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you know, for I mean, all it, that, for all the good it did them there, you know that. I mean, that's it. Just it. It, it was just one of the things that ate away at me because it was like, well, we're the away team again. I'm like, this is absolutely asinine. Yeah. I mean, exactly. there's no. There's no reward whatsoever other than to be on your home field. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, which is a great reward, but, you know, I don't know. It doesn't feel like a home game when you're batting first. <laughs> I, You know what? I, Joel asked an interesting question here, and I've heard this a lot, and, and I've thought mm. about it. Joel, I don't know that I really have a good answer for you, man, but that's a great question. Should the teams be reseeded in Omaha? There is certainly a 
train of thought out there that they should be because things happen, obviously, that kind of throw it all off. And I've, and I've thought that before, like maybe they should be reseeded a little bit. But at the same time, like I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of also a fall where the chips fall type person. You know, you kind of lay in your bed and you make it. You know, if you get hot and you get there, you know, the draw is the draw. Um, it's it, it. You know, you're probably going to get a bunch of different answers when you ask a question like that. But it's not really a bad question. Um, I just think I, I don't know that they'll ever do that. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure I could ever point to an example in Omaha where I would look back and say that anything would be different because I mean it's all hypotheticals. You don't know. Yeah. You know, had they reseeded it, how would that have affected South Carolina when they won either one of their national championships or something like that, or would it have affected? It? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, I don't mind carrying the bracket through. You know, because I mean that 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 keeps the consistency. But there's definitely an argument I think that could be made. Because then you get a you get a team like Oral Roberts. Let's you know, I mean, come out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, I, you know, hey, if they looked better than, let's say, Florida, you know, and 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 both of them happen to make it to Omaha, then yeah, maybe one of them should be seated a little higher. But then you're shuffling things around, and yeah, you're, I, you're using recency bias. I also think a, a right. bit more heavily to do that when you reseed. Yeah, I, I just I don't think they would ever do that. It is a good question though, and I certainly yeah. appreciate the question. Uh, Quantrell asked, "Can you explain the Braswell strike incident with the umpire?" Didn't understand what happened. Saw Twitter talking about. It. I can. I can absolutely explain it. So, mm-hmm. uh, the guy was was terrible, uh, and it was a bad call. It was a bad. It was a bad strike call. He missed it, and Braswell did say something, and he probably shouldn't have said it. Um, and the umpire called time, and instead of just hauling him out of the game, like we've seen a couple of times this weekend, which is absurd. Um, he decided to take his mask off and brush on plate, which umpires often will do when they feel like they need to have a conversation with somebody as in like knock it off or you're going to be sitting in the bleachers the rest of the ball game. Um, so, you know, there's a couple of trains of thought with that. Uh, number one, look, I played the game. I've umpired the game. Uh, as an umpire, I got trained by Jeff Nelson. who's in the big leagues. A lot of people don't know that. Um, I've coached. I've I've done it. I've done radio. I've done play-by-play. I've done everything you can do. Okay, I've seen it from every angle. I personally don't prefer when umpires take their mask off and walk around home plate and stop the game. I, I, I don't like that. I would rather them keep their mask on. If they feel like they need to jump out there and brush home plate to say what they need to say, that's fine. But taking your mask off, people can clearly see that you're communicating with the hitter. And... Uh, just like last night, 8,000 people decided that they were going to jump on the umpire. And I don't blame them. Now, Braswell probably shouldn't have said what he said either. So uh, that's what happened. It's really all about how the situation is going to be handled, as it often is. Like you look in the Clemson game, like Cam Canarella getting thrown out of the game. I mean, the sport's gotten pretty mouthy and flamboyant at times. And, I mean, Lee Croy got kind of got – you know, backed into a corner a little bit when he threw his bat up from that ball four yesterday. Um, I thought that he should not have done that. And there's really no need for that. You walked. That's it. Mm. It wasn't a walk-off three-run homer. It was a walk, yeah, period. You walked, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, um, 
the Cameronella thing, I, I think that the umpire should handle that differently. I think you should walk over and find out what happened. And if I hear another word, you're out of here. It's 13th inning. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, so, you know, umpires, it, it seemed like it's been a little bit more widespread here in the postseason. Um, and I can't say I love it, but it's where we are. I, one of the things, Phil, I've never understood is why do we have umpires that are in – it's not like it used to be where you have SEC umpires and ACC umpires, right? Yeah. Like you've got umpires that will call games in the Big South and the SOCON and the SEC and the ACC. You know, they'll all call – but they'll be in certain leagues. And then when you get into the postseason, we get umpires from all over the country that combine to team up in these different regionals. So you might have a guy from the Northwest and a guy from, you know, somewhere you know in the Big 12 and a guy from the Northeast and then a guy from the Southeast. They become one team and they call the regional Columbia or they call a regional in Wake or wherever it is. I've never really understood why that's beneficial to the game. When we send umpires to all these ballparks all year long that everybody really knows, and then all of a sudden – we surprise them with these guys they've never seen before. Now, I was like, yep, here's somebody you're unfamiliar with. Which, I mean, yeah, I I can see that. You know, hey, this like that way. There's no appearance of any impropriety or whatever. But the way I understand it, JB, and correct me if I'm wrong, is these umpires are not, you know, like you said, not unique to the conference, but all belong to the NCAA, and they just get to arbitrarily pick which, you know, group they're going to run out there. Like these guys don't even rotate through games all together kind of like you do in the majors. Am I correct? It's like that you could have a random assortment of umpires for a different game one day to the next. Yeah, I mean, they. I don't really know how they do it in the big leagues anymore. I know they used to keep these groups together and yeah. rotate them around. I'm not sure if I, – I don't want to speak on that because I don't want to be wrong. But, like, I mean, in a regional feel, like, you do get four random teams paired, and I understand that. Very rarely do they cross over twice, like, from the regular season. Definitely not the same league. Um, So I get umpires coming from all over the place. I I just don't understand, like, why there – my point is, like, why there is not one umbrella. Like, you're either an NCAA umpire or you're not. And like in college football, you're either an NCAA official or you're not. Same thing with basketball. You know, there's plenty of money around here. We're talking about six and seven billion dollar TV deals. And, you know, why not make these guys annual employees where they can be the best at what they do? I had a pitching coach this week and it was not Blake Cooper, just so everybody knows, because I think people understand we're pretty good friends, who texted me and said, Track Man is ruining the college game. And what he meant by that, what like people are saying, and Cloninger tweeted yesterday, I've known David a long time. I, I love David. I agree with a lot of what he says. I totally disagree with him when he says bring on the robots. You want to kill the game? They're ruining the game now. If you want to kill it, bring on robots. You will kill it. You, they need to quit trying to reward based on trackman percentages because it is screwing guys up. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's not as easy as just saying, well, just call it in the track man zone. Because one of the great things about this game for years and years and years is that different umpires had different zones. So 
I mean, if you just have to throw everything right down the middle of the plate, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, um, I mean, what are we doing? So I, 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 I disagree with that. Like, I think that we need to go back to a system that's more of a, are you consistent with your zone? Yeah. That's what, if this guy, look, the plate is the plate. And I understand it. But if this guy consistently calls fastballs two and three inches off the plate for strikes, I'm okay with that. It's fine. Yeah, same. Just, I mean, so if you're doing it the entire game, perfect. I mean, because yeah. then you could figure out, you know, by the time you get through the batting order, by that time you've figured out this ump's zone and then get to use it from there. Yeah. And and it works it, it works for hitters as well as pitchers. I mean, it was like, okay, he's giving him a couple inches on the outside. Maybe I'll, I don't need to stand and watch that one. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I'll absolutely. try to reach out and swing for one and just, you know, knock one opposite or try to put it in play or foul it off. But, uh, I mean, I don't get it. I, I think what you're going to see is just offensive explosion if you go to robots. I mean, because everything's going to have to be right down the middle. I mean, you're you, going to be they, able to re- just pipe them all day long. <laughs> you'll, they'll regret that decision so much. Yeah. And, like, Joel was sitting here. So, first of all, Joel says, I will argue most MLB umps are betting on the games. Number one, you can't prove that. Okay, so you're lying in a chat box on a Monday. You can't prove that, Joel. That's number one. Ro- robots do not bet on the games and make themselves a part of it. You're, I don't disagree with you there, okay, uh, because there are not – robots in the big leagues but there are a lot of umpires and that's been my biggest issue with some umpires over the year your job is to call it not manage it period mm-hmm. call the game don't manage the game call it so um but I, I i totally disagree like i don't think umpiring before was bad there might be umpires who are bad and then you get rid of them what you want is umpires who are consistent that's what you want i'm gonna tell you right now players do not care if pitches are called outside of the zone as long as they know that in the first inning and in the ninth inning that, that it's going to be the same zone that's all they care about that's all they care about so you know i mean if you if you got a guy that i mean that's if you got a guy that i mean everybody's gonna give you a pitch down the middle of the plate but if you got a guy that generally calls it a little bit lower or a little bit higher whatever it is you learn their zone and then you adjust that's part of the game but it's just about being consistent it's not about being in a box it's not about being in a box uh, at all. So, um, that's I mean, is the strike zone the same for a, you know, a five, nine hitter as it is for a six, five hitter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, track exactly. man would have you believe it should be, but right. you know, I think you get a bit more leeway with the six, five guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I consistency, consistency, yeah. consistency. That's, that's what it comes down to. All right. We need to step aside our final quick break of the day. And when we return, we'll run down this list one more time. A couple of football things to pass along as well. And we'll send you off on what looks to be a beautiful Monday out there here in the great state of South Carolina. We are built by the Barndo Code. The BarndominiumCode.com and teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com as well. We're coming up here in just a little bit over a month is the Plunder on Polly's Golf Tournament. That is going to be a blast. If you can play, you might win up to $12,000. If you want to play in a great tournament, head to TravelingCountryClub.com and make sure you check that out and sign up to play golf this summer. 
for the low price of $95 a month. Home run for the Gators. They take the lead here in the third. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Back in the pool and boat are quickly approaching. Many of us don't have the time to hit the gym, but Charleston Fitness Equipment can change that for you. Outfit your home with a treadmill, elliptical, or my favorite, a home rower that allows you to row with the pros all over the world. They have free weights, home gyms, flooring, and much more that makes keeping or getting in shape much more convenient. Located in Mount Pleasant, visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com for more. Get in shape like our Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in